Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and happy Friday! Casual Friday is here, and I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. I feel like every day is Casual Friday in a pandemic. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, one of the things we talked about this week was James Fortin. Yep. Who we talked about pretty openly in the episode, having been both fairly convinced we must have talked about him before. Yeah. I, I could find no evidence to support that. Nope, me neither. Uh, which brings up an interesting thing, right? There is no evidence for a lot of the aspects of his life that people often talk about. Um, kind of the biography of him that um, that everybody really turns to is um, written by a woman named Julie Winch. That biography is titled A Gentleman of Color, and it's kind of like the one that a lot of people reference. And uh, her research is really, really amazing. Um, but she points out, like, what we know is kind of not ever through primary source documents with him because it appears most of his papers were at some point destroyed, probably in a property transfer or something. Um, but they're like kind of put together from the writings of people that knew him who say, oh, he told me this once, et cetera. And one of the things that comes up all the time when you're reading about him is he purchased the freedom of enslaved people. But I, it's a little tricky to know if if that was really the case. Um, oh yeah. So if anybody was looking for that in the episode and didn't get, get it or felt like kind of bummed that they didn't hear about it, it's because if he did, it was probably a little more indirect than we might think. Yeah. He was so much a man about the letter of the law, and really. There are some things about his writing even that troubles me because there is a certain tone of uh, like a purity standard for Black people to be perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, his thing is like, no, you have to be this much better. So I don't know if he would have actively participated in something like that while he was also trying to lobby Congress to do things. Um, that is, It gets to be a little bit tricky. And again, we talk about it in the episode, right? This is contextualized at a time and place when, like, those kinds of thoughts would not be perceived quite the same way they are today. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there is a problem to it. We don't know what he was thinking specifically. Aside from his abolitionist writings that we have, we don't have diaries, we don't have, like, personal notes to really know what his logic flow was for the way he presented certain ideas and thoughts. Even in his uh, 1813 pamphlet, the end of it is very almost apologetic in tone, where he's like, I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to make anybody feel like I'm pointing a finger or I'm blaming, like... We just we need to fix all of this. But even though he has very clearly outlined well-documented instances of complete disparity in how people are treated and respected. So there is a weird back and forth there with him. It's hard to parse because, again, we're going off of very little actual source material from him. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to, like, mention that as people are reading things about him or studying him, if they if they are inspired to do so, that you keep that in mind. It's it, There can be some tricky parts of his story that are are a little bit, um, like I said, it, you know, it troubles me a little bit because you hate to see it. Um, yeah. This idea of, like, 
you you have to act right so white people will treat you right. And it's like, wait, yeah. no, they should have rights. The end. That's That's always a problem. Again, that's me working it out. Well, and so we've, that's, that's something that has come up on the show relatively often when we've been talking about so, social movements, advocating for people's rights, and the idea of respectability, mm-hmm. and how, uh, in a lot of ways, respectability could be a really important tool, but it was also a double edged sword because for it was sure. like creating a, a standard that is co- like continues to be applied. Like if you look at uh if you look at headlines about Black Lives Matter today, you will still see things that are about the idea of respectability rather than the idea that like everybody should have rights. Yeah. Yeah. There's also some other interesting stuff and it comes up a lot in that biography. Uh she's pretty unflinching in her examination of his life about how he could as part of that kind of obsession with achieving respectability uh, he was a bit controlling of his employees at times mm-hmm. and w- would really kind of put his teetotaler stamp on any discussions about, <laughs> that they would have about like, you know, I'm the person that pays your wages and I think you should not drink. Um, allegedly, he would even tell his white employees how to vote, which is an interesting thing. You know, a company that did that today would not... <laughs> right. Would not fly... Uh, so it is, there's a lot of really interesting stuff to unpack there. And I think if you go into it kind of appreciating the conflict of of so much of anyone's story from that period of time, right, as viewed through our modern lens. Yeah. It's a really interesting puzzle to put together. Yeah. I'm thinking about all the times that I've gotten newsletters at places that I've worked that are like, here are the candidates that are (laughs) (laughs) supporting our business, uh, which is... Uh, not quite the same as vote for this person, but just the same intent. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we talked about this week was six topics uh, that when folks ask us to cover it on the show, I'm like, but there's this one book about it. This one book. <laughs> um, I uh, I often will have these, these conversations with my spouse where he's like, what are you working on? And I, I explain what I'm working on. And this time, um, he said, what are you working on? I was like, well, I'm working on a Six Impossible episodes, and I'm I'm calling it There's a Book About It. And he had a totally different read on what that would mean. In his imagination, it was something that is so big that it is only possible to cover it in a book and not oh. a podcast. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting, but that's, uh, that's, not, that's not what it is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one, the last thing that we talked about uh, was the Lawson family murders, which actually happened not that far from where I grew up. Um, I not close enough that uh, that it was like a source of sort of macabre fascination for everyone. Um, and that episode of the podcast Criminal that we talk about in the episode. Um, Phoebe Judge talked to all of these people from Stokes County, and they talked about it just sort of being, uh, uh, like, local, uh, almost local urban legend at this point, like a thing that everybody living there knows about and talks about. Um, But it was a thing that I don't think I learned about until high school when the book White Christmas, Bloody Christmas came out, and I got a copy of that book. 
<laughs> and I don't know if it's still in my parents' house somewhere. Um, if so, it's super hard to find now. <laughs> if you want to get the uh, like that edition of that book, you can find people trying to sell it for like $900. So I, I have questions. So you learned about it in high school when that book came out. Did it then become a source of fascination for people in your peer group? I know it became a source of fascination for me. Um, because I, like a lot of folks, I had that, uh, that sort of, um, fascination with crimes and, like, really gruesome historical stories. Yeah. Um, I, the person that I, I'm pretty sure I learned about it from was actually my drama teacher. And she had known about it for a really long time and was really fascinated with it and was so excited about that book coming out. Um, she, she had this story that she told us in drama class about, like, her son, I don't, I'm not sure if they had known that the book was coming out, um, but her son had found a copy of it in the bookstore and was trying to keep her from seeing that it was there so that he could get it for her for Christmas. (laughs) So, yeah, there were, there were other weird stories, some of them true and some of them false, that were more things that we discussed in our, in our peer group. Um, Like, there was this supposedly haunted road in a place called Rural Hall, North Carolina, called Payne Road. And we talked about Payne Road a lot. Um, I don't think that we really had Charlie Lawson conversations until possibly after the book came out. Fascinating. Definitely read that book more than once. It may or may not be in my parents' basement. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I didn't grow up with any good local... Horrible stories. We had alien sightings. That was our thing. <laughs> Slightly different. Not as, uh, not as, I don't know. I was going to say not as cool, but some people think it's probably more cool. I don't know. Uh, I I like the, I like crimes <laughs> <laughs> and scary things. So, yeah. Yeah. It's almost October as of when we're recording this. Uh-huh. Oh, it's been October in my heart since July. So, yeah. I'm good. Ready. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can do so at History Podcast at iHeartRadio.com, and you can subscribe on the iHeartRadio app at Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen. We hope you have a wonderful weekend, however that plays out for you, and we'll see you next week. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.